All right, good morning, everybody. Rob, are we on? Okay, very good. All right. Again, we will be looking at Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, mainly for today. Uh, but I have a question as when we first start off here. And that is, what's in a name? Again, I'll say that question again. What's in a name? Now, we all have names. That's something we all have in common. Uh, now, we all may have different answers to how we got our names. Uh, might have been through your parents' names that they wanted to carry, pass it on. Uh, maybe a grandparent's name to remember them by. Or maybe your name just had a good ring to it, and uh, you, were, you were given your name. Now, it could be some of you have nicknames. Now, since my last name is Schwamm, I have been given a number of nicknames, especially at work, where I work. I've gone by Schwami, Schwambo, Schwammeister, and my favorite, Schwammalanga Ding Dong. But seriously, you know, when we examine Isaiah 9, verse 6, we will see the Messiah has been given very special names. But these are not just names or titles, but unique character traits of his being, of his nature. First, let's pray. Lord, thank you that your word is truth. Lord, we thank you that you have promised to preserve your word through the ages, Lord, through all the centuries, Lord, that your word is rock solid throughout past all centuries. It is rock solid today, and it will continue to be rock solid through all eternity. Lord, we pray that today, with the business of the season, that we'll push our, uh, our, uh, our stop button, our pause button, Lord, in our busy lives. And they were to spend this time focused upon you. In your name, amen. All right. <coughs> now, again, as we enter our second Sunday of Advent, again, which is the peace candle, I would like you to turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 9, 6, if you haven't done so already. Again, that's in your, found in your pew Bibles, page, well, page really 824 and 825, respectfully. Now, this verse, most of you are familiar with, uh, especially during this holiday time, around Christmas time, you hear this verse a lot, Isaiah 9, 6. Uh, now, there is a song based on this verse in George Friedrich Handel's oratorio, The Messiah. It was composed in 1741. Not only is For Unto Us a Child is Born is in this great concert piece, but also the great Hallelujah Chorus is also in this great concert masterpiece. So again, I'll read again Isaiah 9, verse 6. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Christmas, you know, is a time for giving and receiving of gifts. Let us now unwrap the greatest gift that we could ever receive. So let's look at the first segment part of Isaiah 9:6. Again, for a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us. Now again, whenever you in the Bible you see repetition like that, it's meant to make a point. Uh, the child to be born is a gift to us. This is not just to the nation of Israel. This is applying to us as well. The son to be given is a gift to us. Again, a great gift that has been given not only to Israel, but to us as well, that this is carried through. 
In order for God to fully identify with humanity, he came as a baby born in a stable, laid in an animal feeding trough, a manger. His birth is prophesied, or again, is foretold in Isaiah 7, 14. So if you flip back a page or two, you'll come to Isaiah 7, 14. Now again, this prophecy is written hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus is ever born. This is what Isaiah 7, 14 says. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. And again, Jesus is born of his mother Mary, a virgin. We look at Matthew chapter 1. And bear with me, because in the Bible, we'll be going through the Old and the New Testament throughout this time. Uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse, verses 18 to 23, says this. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, desired to put her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for it is he who will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. Now a son will be given to us. Again, does this not bring us to John 3.16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever shall believe in him shall have eternal life. Again, this, this gift, this giving of the son is a precious gift to us. Now Jesus came to serve, not to grab and take. If we look at Philippians, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, says this about Jesus. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard, regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, with taking the form of a bond servant, and being made in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death, on a cross. So here we see, and it's very ironic, that Jesus, in his first coming, he comes as this, as this baby, as this vulnerable baby and a servant. And he comes, if you look at the animal world, he has this meekness as a lamb. But in his second coming, he will come as the rightful king of the universe. He will come in as a roaring, as a, as a lion. And we look at Revelation 19, verses 11 through 16. Uh, talks about this. So Re Revelation 19, verses 11 through 16, says this. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat upon it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and wages war. And his eyes are a flame of fire, and upon his head are many diadems, and he has a name written upon him which no one knows except himself and he is clothed with a robe dipped in blood 
and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may smite the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. And he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. So he will come, his second coming, as this, the rightful king of the universe. Now this brings us to our next segment of Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And the government will rest on his shoulders. Again, this, this fulfill, was ultimately fulfilled, uh, this prophecy, when the 1,000-year when reign of Christ comes in the millennium. We read this in Revelation chapter 20, verses 4 through 6. So Revelation chapter 20, verses 4 through 6 says this. And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of the testimony of Jesus and because of the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received the mark upon their forehead and upon their hand. And they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were completed. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who has a part in the first resurrection. And holy is the one who has a part in the first uh, resurrection. Over these, the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. So again, there is this ultimate peace that will be fulfilled. Now the Lord works in the affairs of all governments now as well, even though, again, we, we, it's not clearly seen as it will be. Uh, in the millennial reign. Uh, again, God is working. We look at Proverbs 16.9. A number of verses address this. Proverbs 16.9 says this. <coughs> the mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Turn a couple pages to Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but the counsel of the Lord, it will stand. Matthew 28, 18, in the New Testament, says this, Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And then John 16, 33. says this, John 16, 33. <clears throat> These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage, I have overcome the world. So take courage, my friends, for God is at work. Now, we come to the, this next segment of, chap, of Isaiah chapter 9, 6. And his name will be called. Now, again, in Hebrew, uh, the, that language, there are no punctuations or commas. But again, in our language, uh, they have been separated by commas, these titles, these names. But again, these names aren't meant to be just titles for the Messiah, but they portray our Messiah's character and his nature. These names describe who he is 
and what he has come to do. We come to the first title, or again, this characteristic of the coming Messiah, wonderful. Now, some translations have wonderful counselor together, and some don't. But for today, we will focus on the word wonderful first. We will be looking at these names from the Hebrew language. We come to Pele. Now, Pele is a noun which means to be extraordinary, wondrous, unfathomable. A direct reference to the deity of the Messiah. Again, the Messiah would be God in, incarnate, God in the flesh. We look at John chapter 10, uh, verses 27 to 31. It says this. This is Jesus speaking. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give eternal life to them, and they shall never perish. And no one shall snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Again, the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Because again, this was, for the Jews, this is blasphemous. But again, here's Jesus' bold claim that him and the Father are one. <clears throat> now, yotz means counselor. This Hebrew term means to advise, such as a personal advisor or counselor to uh, use in the Old Testament to s uh, that served for kings, to serve as a king. He'd have his advisors or counselors. Now, you put these two Hebrew words together, Pele Yotz, and the Messiah is a wondrous or amazing advisor. This advisor would be supreme in wisdom and understanding. We can be confident to take any problem to him. And again, his name is Jesus. He is the supreme advisor. Now, in the New Testament, we see the responses of the people to Jesus when he spoke. If we look at Matthew chapter 7, verses 28 through 29, Matthew chapter 7, verses 28 through 29, we'll say this. Again, these are responses from people who have heard Jesus speak. Matthew 7, 28 to 29. The result was that when Jesus had finished these words, the multitudes, multitudes were amazed at his teachings, at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one having authority and not as their scribes. We look at Luke 2, 47. Luke chapter 2, 47 <coughs> says this. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Luke 4, 22, a couple pages later. Luke 4, 22. And all were speaking well of him and wondering at the gracious words which were falling from his lips. And they were saying, is this not Joseph's son? And then John chapter 7, verses 14 to 15. Turn to John chapter 7, verses 14 to 15 says this, but when it was now the midst of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and began to teach. The Jews therefore were marveling, saying, how has this man become learned, having never been educated? And on John, John, John chapter 7, verse 46, just a couple of verses later, the officers answered, never did a man speak the way this man speaks. So again, Jesus is our wonderful, he's not only wonderful, but he's our wonderful counselor. 
Now our next name that we come to in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 is mighty God. Or in Hebrew, it's El Gabor. And you know, I just love even just saying that. El Gabor. That just has a name with weight to it. El Gabor. Mighty God. Now again, again, this is a direct reference to the Messiah's deity. The Messiah is God in human form. Now we see in John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 and verse 14. says this. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And then we jump down to verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. El means God. Gabor refers to a conquering warrior, a God who will fight your battles. God has never lost a battle and he never will. Are you in a battle in your life, maybe with addiction or anxiety, for example? Give your battles over to the Messiah. Exodus 14, 14. Again, we go back to the Old Testament. Exodus chapter 14, 14 says this. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. Exodus 15, verse 6 says this. Thy right hand, O Lord, is majestic in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. In Deuteronomy 3.22, says this. Do not fear them, for the Lord your God is the one fighting for you. Deuteronomy chapter 2, chapter 20, I'm sorry, Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 4, says this. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. Psalm 24, verses 7 through 10. Psalm 24, verses 7 to 10, through 10 says this. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Again, the mighty warrior, this conquering warrior. Uh, Daniel chapter 7, verse 9. If you go to Daniel chapter 7, verse 9. Again, this is a very prophetic uh, book as well. But we look to Daniel chapter 7, verse 9. And again, this is a very unique comparison because when you look at Daniel chapter 7, verse 9, uh, we'll also see how God the Father is very similar to how John describes Jesus in Revelation chapter 1. So I'll start off with Daniel chapter 7, verse 9. I kept looking until thrones were set up, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His vesture was like white snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was ablaze with flames. Its wheels were a burning fire. And now if you jump to Revelation chapter 1, verses 13 to 14. It says this. Revelation 1, 13 to 14. And in the middle of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed in a robe reaching to the feet, and girded across his breast with a golden girdle, and his head and his hair were white like white wool, 
like snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire. Jesus is the Messiah, El Gibor, mighty God. Now we come to our next name. Now our next name of the Messiah, again, is connecting him as deity as well. Is he is eternal or everlasting father? Now in Hebrew, it is Avi Ad. Avi means father of. Now Ad means the state of lasting forever or the future, which would mean eternal father or everlasting father. Some of your versions might have. The term father refers to the Messiah's role as king over his people Israel. Now a earthly king would be like a father figure to those he ruled uh, protecting them from enemies and meeting their needs. But an earthly king, once he died, his rule ended. But the Messiah, his rule as father and king, will be everlasting, having no end. And this was already read already, but we're going to turn to it again. It's Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7. So in Isaiah 9, verse 7 says this, There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. We look to Psalm 146, verse 10. Psalm 146, verse 10. It says this, The Lord will reign forever, thy God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. We look to Revelation 5.13. Revelation 5.13. And every created thing which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them I heard saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. And then we come to Revelation 11, chapter 11, verse 15. Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. <clears throat> says this. And the seventh angel sounded, and there arose loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. So Jesus the Messiah is our eternal father, our Aviad. And now we come to our last name, or again, a character trait of the Messiah. And again, how appropriate today that the Advent candle for peace is lit today. For this last name is the Prince of Peace. And again, in Hebrew, it means Sar Shalom, or ruler or prince who brings peace. Now, Sar not only means prince or ruler, but a commander as well. So here is this prince or ruler or commander who brings peace. Now shalom, shalom, many of you may know, means peace. But the word also means wholeness or completeness. Micah prophecies the Messiah's birth, and we did, this was read before, but again, it's worth repeating. In Micah chapter 5, verse 2. So again, we're going to jump back to Micah chapter 5, verse 2. Micah 5, 2. And I'm going to also skip the four and, uh, verses 4 and 5 as well of Micah. Micah 5, verse 2 says this, As for you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel, 
His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. And now we'll jump down to verses 4 through 5, beginning of verse 5. And he will arise and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will remain, because at that time he will be great to the ends of the earth, and this one will be our peace. Now, Zechariah, the prophet Zechariah, also prophesied of the peace the Messiah would bring. We go to Zechariah chapter 9, also a very prophetic uh, chapter. Zechariah chapter 9, verses 9 through 10 says this. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and endowed with salvation, humble and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. And I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem, and the bow of war will be cut off. And he will speak peace to the nations, and his dominion will be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. At Jesus' birth, the angels proclaim the peace on earth to those pleasing to God. We look at that at Luke chapter 2, verse 14, a very, a very common verse that is said during Christmas time. Luke chapter 14, verse, uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 14, I'm sorry. Luke 2, verse 14 says this. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Now again, the question we ask you folks, do you have the Prince of Peace in your heart? We look at Isaiah 26, verses 3 to 4. Isaiah chapter 26, verses 3 to 4. says this, The steadfast of mind thou wilt keep in perfect peace, because he trusts in thee. Trust in the Lord forever, for in God the Lord we have an everlasting rock. The prophecy of worldwide peace has not been fulfilled yet. Again, we can clearly see that with all the conflict and turmoil around us. But when the Messiah returns, this prophecy of universal peace will be fulfilled. Jesus' second coming will bring it to pass. Jesus and the Messiah is the Prince of Peace. Now, if we look at Luke 1, chapter, chapter Luke, Luke 1, cha uh, verses 31 to 33, and this will unmistakably reflect Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through, 6 through 7. So if you compare them side by side, there's a lot of similarities. So Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7, and then Luke 1, 31 to 33. If we put them alongside each other, we can kind of see a lot of similarities. This is Luke 1, verse 31. And behold, you will conceive, and this is this amazing, uh, matter of fact, this is the angel Gabriel is bringing Mary this amazing announcement of Jesus being born. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. Now again, if you look at Isaiah verse 6, for a child will be born, a son will be given to us, okay? This child will be born. Again, you will conceive in your womb, again, similarities. Uh, Verse 32 of, chapter, of Luke chapter 1. He will be great and will be, will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And you, again, you look upon Isaiah 9, 6 and, 6 and 7. And his name will be called Wonderful. There will be no end uh, to the increase uh, of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom. Again, those similarities. In verse 33 of Luke chapter 1. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom 
will have no end. And again, if you look at chapter seven of, of, cha- of chapter nine, I'm sorry, in verse seven of Isaiah, uh, on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. Again, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. So Jesus, he is the true Messiah. He is wonderful. He is the counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let's pray. Lord, for us who know you as Lord and Savior, Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you that you are wondrous, Lord, that you are wonderful, that you are our counselor. Lord, thank you that you are our mighty God. You are our everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace, Lord. We pray, Lord, that we'll be able to focus upon you and not get caught up in the busyness of this season. And Lord, maybe there's people, someone here today or someone listening on live stream that doesn't know you, Lord, and that maybe they're feeling empty this holiday season. Lord, I pray that they would come to you, the Prince of Peace, Lord, and that they would receive, again, it's no magical words, just to ask you, Lord, to come into my life and take over. Forgive me of my sin. Again, there's nothing magical to be said. Just to be honest with God that you need him and that you want him to be Lord of your life. And again, that you would receive uh, the Prince of Peace, his shalom, and that that emptiness says in your life that only he can fill with his wholeness and completeness. So again, Lord, we thank you for this time. Thank you for your love for us. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's sing our last Christmas hymn this morning together.